1: Welcome back to the fantasy football mailbag, a rotoViz podcast. This is the December 9th episode as we enter week 14. And as always, we are here dedicated to answering all of those fantasy football questions. I'm your host, Mike Randall. You can follow me on Twitter at RandallRant, and today we have an OG, a Rotoviz OG who is now dominating the prop world. John Lipinski at JA Lepinski on Twitter, NFL Futures Props. For at bet the prop does an amazing job. Also contributor for Rotoviz, Dynasty Best Ball, he's the man. Follow him on Twitter, Jay Lipinski. John, welcome back, man, for your annual visit to the mailbag. How you doing,
2: Mike? Thank you for having me. I'm doing good in the uh, the tail half of this uh, NFL season here. Um, you know, got NBA going on, got NHL, got, got pretty much everything. So I'm doing good. We're doing good with bet. The prop we're up about a hundred eighty something units so far this year. Oh,
1: that's not good. <laughs> that's amazing.
2: <laughs> yeah. Hey, well, we were up to 40 last year and that was without some of the sports going. So I'm, I'm actually a little disappointed. We're behind our pace, but, uh, but overall that's, that's quite the profit. So, um, you know, anybody who's been uh, following along with us and subscribed over here has been doing pretty good. So, uh, yeah, I'd say it's been a solid year so far. Can't complain.
1: Uh, disappointed. John was trying to convince me <laughs> last year to get involved in the prop world. I Did mean, you? We,
2: Did you start?
1: I, I, there was trouble with books and access and things. Uh... So I start writing about it, yes, but I have to find a consistent book. But look – it's not going to be up 190 units. I mean, it's a different level. So, folks, if you want to make money and learn about fantasy football, John is the perfect person to have on. And how do you do it, man? I mean, so many people, I could, we've compared it last year to betting and poker and this and that. Do you have a model? Everyone has a model, I think, of some respect. But how do you balance that and feel and watching games? You, just give us a little insight. Of course, don't pull the curtain back, but just general overview here on how you go about your process with the props and the betting.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think with anything you're looking for that edge, right? And there's really two kinds of edges. You got like the modeling slash statistical type of edge where you're looking at the numbers and saying, okay, like, you know, based on all the numbers, I I think, you know, his projection should be around here. You know, that, that, his projections under here. And there, there's some people who do a really good job with that. Um, we do some of that ourselves. We also look at other people's projections. Uh, Establish the run has some good projections. Uh, you know, Rotoviz does some good projections. Uh, run the Sims also has you know player projections where everybody kind of has their own little flavor to them. But you'll you'll see when you look at enough different projections, you see they all kind of end up around the same area. So you need to kind of have a feel for you know what's going into that projection, what's making it, and is the line already accounting for that, you know, the, the prop line. So, um, it's a little bit of model, but I'd say it's a lot of feel and a, a lot of times an informational edge. You know, you catch a, a quote from a, a coach saying, Hey, we want to do more of this this week. You know, the, 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 the guys who set the lines in the books aren't looking at that. So if you see something like that and you know, you always got to pay attention to, to like, which coaches are liars and might say that and then not do it. But, you know, a lot of coaches will come out and say, hey, we're looking to get this guy involved this week, or, um, you know, we're going to scale this guy's minutes back tonight in basketball. So a lot of it's just getting to that stuff before that information is incorporated in the line by other people betting it. So uh, a little bit of both.
1: This a little bit of both. This is just setting up the obvious question. How did you incorporate the weather? in buffalo new england into your projections we heard about it of course i was thinking unders but then what we saw just belichick big belichick three total passes i mean how did that factor in in terms of rushing yarders receiving etc
2: uh i had a very very good night for that game. <laughs> I that. Bet you did yeah i mean <laughs> <laughs> we had a few official plays uh, over on Bet the Prop, and we we were kind of saying afterwards, we're like, man, we, we obviously should have fired harder. There's a lot more plays we like. But, you know, you kind of sometimes say, well, you know, if, if we're wrong here, we don't want to have like 10 plays on the same game we're putting out. But uh, personally, I, I was on a lot of stuff, you know, not just like, you know, field goal, longest field goal unders and stuff like that, but a lot of player, longest reception unders, receiving yard unders. And I don't normally do a ton of the same game parlays that – um you know, they, they have, you know, they're correlated bets, but the books factor in that correlation most of the time. So it, you know, what you see is you know, you have a bunch of picks together and you think you're like, Oh, these these are correlated numbers, you know, you know, if this guy goes under, this guy should also go under. But that that's priced in. But when you have an extreme situation like that, an extreme weather situation like that, that's one where you can say, Okay, even if the correlation's priced in, you can have a situation like we saw on Thursday night where it was like or uh Monday night where it's like um you know, just this crazy, crazy wind where, like, like it's so correlated that just nobody goes over because he only throws three passes. So uh, I hit a couple of those. It was a very good night. And, uh, yeah, there I saw a couple of people on Twitter like, oh, uh, you know, I, I'm embarrassed to say I bet overs in this game. I'm like, oh, how, how could you do that, man? You know, what what were you thinking?
1: The only one I bet was over on Kendrick Bourne. Uh, Certainly, I thought that it was going to be lower, but I thought maybe a couple screens here and there. Yeah. Seriously, shame on me. Everything else is great, (laughs) but that was the only one I said I wanted to do
2: that. Yeah, yeah.
1: John, I had Ryan Noonan on last week, and we got to preview Thanksgiving. We talked about the food. We talked about side dishes, stuffing, etc. cetera. So my question is, how was your Thanksgiving? How'd it go? And what's your favorite side dish and pie? Are you a pie guy? Because it was, it was a hot topic here last week.
2: I, I am a pie guy. And a shout out to my dad, who makes some very good pumpkin pie, who is, you know, I'm a pumpkin pie, man. Don't get me wrong. I like the pecan. I like some of the other pies, but you know, a nice good pumpkin pie, uh, you know, especially my father's, is uh, my favorite out there. Um, the bird, I wanted to smoke it. We had a smoker on order, did not show Ooh. up in time, so that's got to wait till next year. But you know, I did a nice did a nice brine, and uh, you know, got it pretty good. And uh, as far as sides go, my wife makes you know that bomb ass sweet potato casserole with like the, uh, the graham crackers and the mushrooms, where it's basically like you're eating dessert with dinner yes. it's like a hot dessert yes. like like i but love it's it my wife did yes yes it's, so it's like it's like a cheat code right there it's like oh mm. like yeah this is a side it's like potatoes but it's like oh this is awesome a delicious dessert on my plate right here this is awesome so uh yeah that that's that's uh what uh that's how the thanksgiving went small family gathering you know keeping it small but uh you know good time
1: So let's look at this Thursday night preview. We have Minnesota. It's three and a half some places. Now it's down to three. It's dropping. Is it this simple, John? Mike Tomlin as an underdog, besides the hiccup against the Bengals two weeks ago, I mean, it's just been automatic 19, five and one, the past four seasons as an underdog five and two this year against the spread 12 and five against the spread as a road underdog during those four seasons, Thielen cook, Awful loss last week for Minnesota against Detroit. They called timeout to just let the receivers get in front of them in the oh, end zone. Yeah. Terrible job. TJ Watt ready to go. Najee Harris. Is it this simple? Where are you going here, Minnesota, Pittsburgh?
2: It, it's this simple that uh, this should be plus three at most. So if you're getting the three and a half, I'm taking the three and a half on it. I think that the that extra half point there, um, you know, maybe by game day we see that just gone. But uh, yeah, definitely Pittsburgh plus three and a half. Um, as far as props go for this game, uh, a lot of the value's already gone. That I was I was actually out shopping at Costco when uh, DraftKings and Caesars, you know, they they've been consistently this season the, the first to really open lines for a lot of these games. And uh, when they opened up, uh, they opened Cousins at thirty one and a half attempts, mm-hmm. which you know, even if Dalvin plays or doesn't play, that's a low number for him. I think he's only missed that number like once or twice all season. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, KJ Osborne, who's going to be filling in for Thielen, he opened closer to 34.5 receiving yards and that that was too low. Um, now, though, it's been bet up to 41, 42, 44, wow. somewhere wow. in that range, depending what book you're looking at. And I think that's about where it should be. I, I don't think there's really a value left on that one. So a lot of the a lot of the openers moved a lot already. Where I don't think there's a ton of value left on the props. Uh, we will see some more stuff once we get more injury news. That uh, Najee's like really the only one with a rushing line so far. You know receptions lines. You know we'll probably see a few more of those close to game time. The one prop that's left that I, I do think might have a little bit of value is Deontay Johnson over six and a half receptions. Okay. Uh, pretty much normal juice there, minus one fifteen ish. He's over in seven out of eleven games this year, and Minnesota just. I mean, has been getting gashed through the air. Uh, They've For their last five games, they've let a receiver go for seven or more, and the one they didn't was, you know, they're playing San Francisco, and San Francisco just does not care. If they can run it all day, they'll run it all day. So, I mean, teams that that are down to throw the ball have just been throwing it all over them. They've given up the most receiving yards over the past five weeks, the fourth most receptions. Uh, I think Deontay could be in for a big game. So I, I don't typically fire on overs just based on matchup. You know, unders I'll do based on matchup. Overs, I like to have a little more of an edge in there. But I think there might be a little value on that one. I, I don't see any reason they won't go to him a decent amount. So, uh, you know, otherwise I'm going to wait until, you know, see a few more lines open up and see if more value comes on.
1: Well, one of the hardest players right now for people to rank seasonal and dynasty is Javante Williams. Hello, Javante. Thank you for the explosion last week. Amazing performance. Everyone loves him. They just want Melvin Gordon to go away. My question twofold, how do you think he does now? Because you know Gordon's got to come back because he sees his job slipping away. And where do you rank him dynasty-wise? I looked at a lot of dynasty rankings. Of course, of course, Jonathan Taylor then Najee swift gibson now he's come on strong lately javante is he ahead of barkley mixon so talk about here javante williams in terms of a seasonal outlook having to share with melvin gordon and then of course where do you put him dynasty wise
2: you know i think that after that performance you'd think okay he's definitely earned some more time over melvin you know assuming melvin comes back and is fully fully healthy um but you never know what the coaching staff is going to do, and I don't really trust the Denver coaching staff. So I'm going to say he'll he'll have a little bit more, but he will still have to split with Melvin when, he, when Melvin's out there. Um, now, I don't think that there's any situation where you're not starting him in most leagues. It's not like you can trade for him or not trade for him. Uh, so I, I think he'll have a very good rest of the season. I, I think especially promising was all the receiving work he got this past game. You know, that, that's obviously, you know, PPR leagues, the the big thing you're looking at, getting those targets. So I think he'll be very solid rest of season, but I don't see him necessarily being, you know, this, this playoff league winner where you're like, oh my God, I've got Javante, I'm locked in now. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Um, As far as his dynasty value, yeah, I think he's going to be ahead of Mixon because uh, Melvin Gordon's contract is up at the end of this year. So I don't see Melvin coming back at all. Uh, I think it's going to be Javante's team after that. So dynasty-wise, I think everybody's going to say, "Hey, this guy is going to be viewed kind of." I think not the same as Cam Akers coming into this year, but I think it's going to be that kind of opinion because he's not going to have as much of an opportunity to do what Akers did, where Akers, you know, really like like, you know, had several games where he was the workhorse and, and showing that off. And Akers was on a better offense coming into this season but I think it's going to be viewed kind of similarly there. So I think he's going to be like as high as RB six or seven, you'll see him going. And then maybe as low as 11 or 12, depending on what people feel like. I mean, you know, you got Swift, you got Najee, you got Chubb, you got acres coming back who, you know, he had, uh,
0: we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line.
2: What was it? The Achilles, right? That he yeah. uh, mm-hmm. that he got knocked out with? And that that's one that, you know, a lot of guys don't necessarily come back great from, but uh, it looks like he's already been out there running and cutting, so you think you, know, you think
1: Johnny's got a picture of Deontay Foreman on his wall? Because Deontay <laughs> Foreman came back from it.
2: Yeah, but Deontay Foreman didn't come back so hot necessarily. <laughs> I mean, right, he's—I right. I was always a big Deontay Foreman guy, so I'm rooting yeah. for him over in uh in Tennessee there. But we'll, we'll see what happens. But yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I think I think that Javante will fall somewhere kind of in that range. That he'll be mid to low RB one range. Uh, You know, barring, you know, unless, you know, something happens, he just does explode for the rest of the year or something like that. I think that's kind of where he settles in. Anyway, from RB7-ish to RB11 or 12-ish, I think is where you're going to see him going.
1: You know, it's been interesting to watch. I ask about the Dynasty top wide receiver and how it's developed. Early in the year, of course, it was Jamar Chase all the time and no one really had an issue But Justin Jefferson, I always said, woke up right when Mike Williams did not. It was really kind of funny how Mike Williams started tailing off. Justin Jefferson has taken off. Now no Thielen. So my question here, wide receiver, top overall dynasty wide receiver – Jefferson, Chase. Some people like CeeDee Lamb. I don't know about that. I I don't know if he's ever going to be this 110 catch wide receiver one, maybe if Cooper goes away. But Dak likes to spread that ball around, which is why I've made a good amount of money here betting some of his unders, except for the New England game. So where do you go here, Dynasty wide receiver, top guy?
2: They're very close. I think personally I'd go for Jefferson right now, just from the perspective of I think his production – I mean, obviously for the rest of this season, but this season and probably next season are probably tops in production. And I think in dynasty, a lot of times you have to kind of look towards that short window there instead of like getting too long of a view. I mean, look, I mean, Justin Jefferson could easily have a better career than Jamar chase, but I think he'll also be better in the short term. Now I think Jamar chase, you know, might be the better player, and if I was doing a rebuild and I was like, look, I'm not going to compete next year, I might say I'll take Chase over Jefferson. Okay. But you know, most of my teams where I'm actually competing, I'm um, I'm going Jefferson because I think he's got that more immediate upside. But he's also got more questions in the long term as far as well, who's his quarterback going to be past next year? Uh, cousins' contract is up, and Cousins is getting older too. And Cousins is Cousins. Like he's he's been very productive for fantasy receivers, but. You know, he might not be the best. Uh, Burrow has looked like a good young quarterback, and you look at Burrow and Chase together and say, okay, these guys have an opportunity to grow together. So um, long-term, probably Chase. But uh, if somebody said you have to pick one right now, I'm taking Jefferson.
1: Let's talk about the preseason time to brag right now. I am very focused on my Scott Fishbowl team, John. I've been terrible in Scott Fishbowl. I am doing well. I am 12-1. and 1. I have a bye. So I'm whistling oh, through the graveyard. We hit Cooper Cup. We hit Kyler Murray. A couple guys here and there. Miles Sanders, whenever you're ready. I don't know about my <laughs> tight end collection of James O'Shaughnessy, Forster Moreau, and C.J. Uzoma. However, we'll see what happens. But give me some guys here, two guys you were right about, let's say, in the preseason that you really feel you nailed.
2: You know, th- there's one that I couldn't figure out why nobody else was drafting him, and I was like, maybe I'm just an idiot. That uh, late in drafts, I was drafting some quarterell Patterson. Oh, okay. oh, and I'm like, I'm like, why is nobody else taking this guy? Like, like, look at all these bums in Atlanta, mm-hmm. uh, you know? And and a lot of part of it was a Mike Davis fade. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, yep. you know, have drafted Mike Davis with your roster. You yep. know, yep. I mean, I just would not touch him. So I was like, look, Mike Davis stinks. Uh, Patterson. You know, i it's not like he's really been great, you know, when they used him in Chicago or anything like that. But it was like, hey, you know, they don't really have a legit backup there. Um, you know what? Why not take some shots at him late? So that one actually ended up working out really well for me. And um, on the tight end front, you're talking about your your collection of tight ends there. I got yes. a decent bit of uh, Dawson Knox, especially in tight end right. premium. That That was one that was like, OK, you know, the other tight ends on the roster are not very good. Uh, you know, he's going to be in an offense where we know Josh Allen's going to be throwing a ton. There's just no reason that he couldn't, you know, he didn't have that upside and he was getting picked very late. And It's like, okay, this guy's still got some upside. I, I know there's some reports that, you know, they're like, oh, I forget, Tommy Sweeney or whoever the hell else is there. Maybe I've got the wrong guy. One of those bums over there was going to be more the guy that uh, was, you know, really stepping up there and that uh, Dawson Knox was kind of in the doghouse. But I just said, you know, I, I think this guy could blow up.
1: That's yeah, a great call. I, it, you know, and I look back on the guys I was wrong about. I have been waiting, John, for the Taysom Hill uh, uh, eruption. I, I, <laughs> and I'm very proud that I've waited this long to see him become the overall QB4 despite four interceptions that he actually had last game. Who was a guy that you were wrong about? I was wrong about James Winston. He would have been really solid if he stayed healthy. A guy you sort of uh, missed on there in the preseason.
2: You know, I I looked at what Russ did at the start of last year and I said, oh man, he was cooking, you know, all we need, all we need is let Russ cook. And the new offensive coordinator came in. He was talking up, you know, we're going to, we're going to get pace going. We're going to play with pace. We're going to, you know, do this and that. And then, you know, enter Pete Carroll again. We're not running the ball enough. We got to give it to our least skilled player on the field. And, you know, Alex Collins nowadays, you know, like, oh, we, we, we got to give it to him more rather than let. Russ throw it to you know the monster that is DK Metcalf or you know John
1: a three and seven team signing <laughs> a thirty six and a half year old running back come on
2: man an embarrassment an embarrassment it's just I mean if I, there's no way Russ plays for Pete Carroll next year right no either way. either Pete Carroll's gone or Russ is gone like wh- one or the other so I mean I was wrong about him this year. Hopefully he, he finds some greener pastures. I mean, hell, I, I'd love it if the Giants could trade for him. He said he'd waive his no trade clause for them. Yep. So um, I, I'd like to see that. But I, I was wrong on him. I drafted a decent bit of Russ. And, uh, and you know, I did not go heavy enough on Debo or Cup. You know, mm-hmm. I, I had a, a share here or there, but I was not uh, heavily targeting either of those guys. And that obviously did not work out well for my teams. It did not have the, the two smash wide receivers that really are carrying a lot of teams that are in first right now.
1: I whiffed on Debo. I went with Ayuk. I, I, I certainly whiffed on him like as well. Iuk. I like Ayuk. Yeah. I like
2: Ayuk. I drafted a decent bit of him. And then you start week one and he gets a, a goose egg. Yeah. And he went, oh my God, what have I done? Yeah. You know, what is going on here? And then, then he's he's actually come on a little bit later in the season. But you just, you don't know what they're doing week to week. And, and like I uh, said earlier, San Francisco, if they, if they can do it, they're just going to run every down. You know? Yeah. I mean, they'll play like New England in the wind where they're just like, hey, you know, we're we're just going to run it, you know, like like three out of every four plays. So it's one of those things where if, you know, even if he's getting a few targets, he's getting a decent share of the targets. If Jimmy's not throwing it, then it doesn't really matter.
1: Yeah, very true. And look, they've tried everything with Russ. They ran the ball. The first half of years, and then the second half, they let him cook. We got excited. Last year, they (laughs) let him cook to start the year, and then they ran it, which must have annoyed the heck out of him second half. And this year, 3-7 and comes back off the injury. Oh, by the way, we're going to sign Adrian Peterson. He's got to be fed up. I agree. I think he's totally moving on. Let's look at DFS plays now. It's Thursday, of course. I'm looking for a guy at each spot, QB, running back, wide receiver, tight end, somebody who's sort of caught your eye here. Let's start a quarterback. I always pay down. I, I don't know why, John. When I set my lineups, DraftKings, a fan duel, I hate paying up for quarterbacks. Uh, but in this case, is there someone you have your eye on here at, at Signal Caller you think could be good?
2: Yeah. So full disclosure, I, I do a decent bit of DFS, but I'm not, you know, uh, I don't consider myself an expert on that like I do the, the fantasy and the betting. But I, I do uh, talk to a lot of people smarter than me with DFS who who really know what they're doing. And they tell me all about ownership. You know, obviously you need the guys with the upside, but you got, you know, you're, you're really playing against the field, being smart about that. And so I haven't looked at ownership projections for this week or anything yet, but uh, one of the quarterbacks I was looking at, uh, you got Taylor Heineke going up against Dallas and he's $100 cheaper than Taysom on uh, DraftKings. And that you know Dallas is a nice pace up spot. Um, I think a decent amount of people might be on Taysom saying, "Hey, you know he's going to get uh, you know some of that 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 those rushing scores that we saw." Uh, so I think Heineke could be, you know, assuming I'm right that his ownership isn't too high, I think he could be a good QB target there,
1: especially at home getting points. What about running back here?
2: So another guy that's around a player that I think might be a little chalky is Kareem Hunt. Mm. Is a hundred dollars more. Than Javante, and I think you know you might see a decent number of people going on Javante this week. Uh, Hunt is supposedly fully healthy. Uh, they they use him sparingly in his first game back, so if people are kind of looking at okay, you know maybe they're still easing him in. But Cleveland had that bye. you know he should be in good shape now. Uh, they're playing against Baltimore. Baker's been all kinds of banged up. The receivers are all kinds of banged up. The you know they're a bunch of bums for the most part other than Jarvis Landry. I'm not a, a Donovan Peoples Jones believer or anything here. So, I mean, when I look at that, I'm like, okay, they're going to come out. They're going to try and run it against Baltimore. Obviously, you're going to have plenty of Nick Chubb. But when Hunt's been healthy, he's he's put up some really good numbers. And I think he's going to, you know, people look at him and say, oh, he doesn't have, you know, the greatest ceiling or anything like that. Or there's some other options in his range that uh, are a little more attractive. So I think his ownership will be low, but he's in a spot where he could put up some big numbers.
1: It's a great call, John. Coming out of the bye, they're talking about incorporating him more on the field with Chubb because they have no receiving options. So absolutely, if they do that, I think he could really, really shine here if they finally say, you know what, we'll use him as Camara In that sort of role, he could be fantastic. Wide receiver here. I'm thinking you're going to try to stack,
2: am I right? Oh, you- How did you read my mind like that? Ah, how about that? (laughs) Let's go with, I mean, I could just be, are these the popular plays? I've not done uh, any reading on the slate yet, so maybe I'm going with higher ownership here, but I'm going with Terry McLaurin.
1: Yep, yeah, no, I agree. I, and McLaurin there in a spot, and, and and people worry about Trevon Diggs. He does not always shadow. That is not the case. So, absolutely, yep. you can see him popping off. And he's had, a, there's been situations. Remember, it was a Monday night game or something earlier this year where people were all over fading him. And he came out and broke the over prop in like the first quarter, just bang right away, hitting several, several short passes. So, absolutely. And tight end, the conundrum, the Rubik's Cube that
2: is DFS tight end. What do you got? I'm, I'm looking at Noah fan because Noah fan has not been doing a whole hell of a lot, but they're going up against a crappy defense. Mm -hmm. Um, He's coming off, you know, kind of a mad performance, but it's, it's a decent smash spot where he's got, he's got a a very high ceiling. I think Um, even if they're trying to run it a good bit, you know, if he gets his targets, he he could put up uh, some big numbers there and he's, he's relatively cheap. So for a guy who's cheaper and maybe lower owned, I, I think he's a good spot.
1: What supports that argument, John, is that I'm always a week early. I do all the analyzing and I pick my players and I find that they don't do well the week I pick them, but the subsequent week they always do well. I'm usually never totally off for weeks here. Noah Fant did not pop last week, but they're home against a Lions team who, of course, is celebrating their big win at the altitude against the Vic Fangio defense, this could be a destruction, and we could see Teddy hit fan for one, maybe two. I think that's an excellent call as well. I want to ask you, Arizona looks like they're back. When Kyler Murray runs, as per the Road of His Game Splits app, we have a whole suite of apps here, folk, that's fantastic. When Kyler Murray runs and he gets over John 30 yards, his fantasy production skyrockets. It really... I don't think he's a typical pocket passer, obviously, because of the height. I think he needs to create on the fly. So when he's moving, good things happen. Monday night football, cards, rematch with the Rams, favored by two and a half at home. Who do you like here?
2: I'm liking the cards, especially because I'm getting them under a field goal here. I don't think it would be, you know, I think their first meeting, they won by 17 or so. I think it'll be closer this time around. But honestly, a lot of it comes down to the defense. That the Rams' defense has just not been that great this year. The Cardinals' defense has been pretty solid, um, you know. And Kyler's just more dynamic than Matt Stafford right now. Like Stafford can make all the throws, but he's also got some weird back stuff going on. Uh, Odell Beckham, as a Giants fan, I, I always have a, a soft spot in my heart for him, but um, he's looked okay. But I don't know if he has that chemistry with Stafford yet. That he has not. He never developed it with Baker. Uh, he has not necessarily developed it with Stafford. I don't know who they're going to have it running back. Uh, I assume Henderson is going to be back. But, you know, Sony Michelle. I don't think is anything special. So I just think that the Cards have a little bit more talent on both sides of the ball right now. Got to go with the Cardinals at home, laying less than a field goal.
1: So, John, if you weren't doing as well as you were with the betting and the props, what would you do? what would be your hobby? What would you do as a job? What would you do here if you couldn't do what you're doing right now and love to do?
2: Nothing. That's my dream.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sit on an island? Sit on an island and relax.
2: Honestly, you know, there's a lot of people, I I, I just feel like a lot of people say, if I wasn't doing this, I don't know what I'd do with myself to keep busy all day. I'd have absolutely no problem just goofing around all day. No problem just saying, hey, I I don't want to work. Uh, just doing nothing. So ideally, my ideal job is a lot of nothing.
1: Living well is yes. the best revenge. I think yes. George said that in Seinfeld. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm trying to get, uh, we just watched Survivor with my family. I'm trying to get Fantasy Football Survivor, Fantasy Football Fear Factor going. If you got on, John, is there something that you'd say, you know, I don't think I can do that?
2: I've seen some of the things they make them eat. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I do think that, when it comes right down to it if you were trying to get me to eat a lot of like weird raw organs and stuff like that yes. yeah I would have some serious issues where mm-hmm. I, I I wouldn't be afraid of it necessarily my body just would not let me do it yeah. it would just say nope like like you're gonna you're gonna put this in your mouth and you're gonna bite on it and then like the gag reflex is gonna kick in where I, I just can't stop that part of it so yeah. um you know even even if I wasn't necessarily scared of it I couldn't do it
1: I want to give you a phrase or a player or something, and I want to get your initial one word reaction and an explanation here. So we'll go on the couch. Like, uh, you want to see Sigmund Bloom on the couch, if you will. Go on the couch here. I'm going to name something. First off, DK Metcalf, rest of schedule. I'm asking that because he has been very disappointing, and I'm a selfish person. I haven't been Scott Fishbowl 11. DK Metcalf, rest of schedule. What comes to mind?
2: Regression. The, uh, Tell me positive. The <laughs> positive regression yes, the, the yes. Seahawks up until I think last week had run the fewest plays per game of any team in the NFL by a, a decent margin and a lot of it was they couldn't convert on third down a lot of it was you know they're just idiotic play calling um but they also faced like all the teams they had faced up until Washington or so yeah. were all in the top half of the league for fewest plays against allowed oh, okay i think that was a stat i was because i was looking into their you know his props versus washington there and um it's one of those things where it's like okay like yes a lot of it's on seattle's defense just letting other teams just have these long drives which washington ended up doing to them um but it's also they, they've just faced some opposing defenses too where these defenses uh, you know are good at um you know, getting you off the field and the, and the offenses they faced are good at having those long drives. So I think that their numbers to this point in the season, as bad as they've been and as, as much of it is their own fault to a degree, it's still been worse than it probably should have been that, you know, a, a third down conversion here or there, and you get a drive going for another like five, six plays that result in a touchdown. And, and a lot of those games and fantasy scores and everything look a lot better in the end, than they have. so I really do think there's going to be some regression that they're not as bad as they've looked so far. So I think from that perspective, DK can have you know some big games ahead of him still in, and his schedule doesn't look that bad going forward. So you know, uh, I think I think he could put up some some big numbers here.
1: Christian McCaffrey. You're starting to hear the rumblings, John that maybe he can't handle the workload and he's a great pass catching back but he can't be the every down back. It's been 2 years in a row now. A lot of people had him at the 101 and remember you can't win your fantasy draft seasonally in the first couple of rounds, but you can lose it. Where do you what comes to mind when I say CMC's redraft
2: ranking next year? I'm going to say on average 103. Okay. I think that Jonathan Taylor is going to be the 101, and I think that the way running backs go, it'll it'll be some of the other running backs up there, like a Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara, um, those type of guys, like all in that same area. Uh, you're not going to see Saquon up there after how this year looked, but um, I think that like you'll see, see Christian McCaffrey go first and second a good amount of the time. But you'll see Jonathan Taylor is the first most of the time. And then you'll see some other guys flip-flopping with uh, McCaffrey as people are scared of that injury risk. So I I, th- I I think he could settle as high as like the second pick. um. But I think that, you know, ultimately he'll probably end up like, on average, his ADP will be 103.
1: The Dallas Cowboys are a peculiar team. The NFC is completely wide open. I think we're going to learn a lot about them this week against Washington. They win this game. They're pretty much putting this division away. Dallas Cowboys in the Super Bowl? What do you think?
2: No. Okay. And, that's not, and That's not just because I hate the Cowboys, which I do, <laughs> but – I, and and look honestly the NFC is wide open so I, i'm not saying that for like like oh there's no way they can make it like they can because none of these other teams are really running away with it right now um i just think that they're as a team they've got a little bit too much of that tendency to just kind of screw the pooch a little bit the, the defense is better this year um they've gotten a lot of timely turnovers and things like that but um you know, I don't know if it's coaching or what it is. I, I think s- something's just going to go wrong for them. So I, I think they'll have a good shot of it. They'll be competitive, but I think something goes wrong for them, or maybe that's just me hoping it does. I don't know.
1: You know, Pittsburgh looks like it has a lot of foundational pieces to make a run this year, even as a dangerous, you know, John, those six and five seeds, seven seeds, if you will, this year in the, in the NFL playoffs. Who is going to be the quarterback next year, though? Because Ben Roethlisberger, it certainly seems like it's his last year. Almost every play they run is a short sort of out. I mean, they certainly don't trust his arm. QB for the Steelers next year, who do you think?
2: I'm gonna go with uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Okay, because ah. he, he needs he needs to get a turn everywhere, right? No. right, right. <laughs> yeah.
1: Teddy covers, maybe be good for uh, betting him and
2: Tomlin. Yeah. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, Ben's gone next year, but I don't know who they're gonna get. It's there. There's they have a team where they can compete because the defense is still solid. Um, So I I don't think they're going to want to have a rookie out there. Uh, As far as veteran goes, I mean, Teddy, you know, I can see Broncos making a move and getting rid of Teddy there. So, uh, you know, maybe he lands there and he's a starter and then they bring somebody else in. Who knows?
1: And last one, the 2021 NFL MVP will be.
2: You know, Brady's the odds on favorite. And uh, as long as nothing changes, I think he deserves to be that uh, just nobody else is really running away with it. And he's a, he's a good story. You know, it's been, it's as old as he is. And as the way that team is built, you know, they could not be doing what they're doing without him. You know? So I I think that, you know, look, looking around the league and looking at Mahomes has been struggling more than usual. And Josh Allen has been struggling in the bills as a whole. Um, You know, I, it's, it's hard not to say Brady by default. And you know, the MVP is also media award. So the media loves Tom Brady. Why the hell not? Right.
1: Yeah. And the only one I think could make a run would be Kyler. If he ends up having a fantastic end of season and is healthy, I think he could definitely, definitely make a run. John, this has been great, man. Such a wonderful time talking to you. Last question. Then we will get you out of here. John Lipinski, the soothsayer, the bet, the prop expert, 200 units up. Give me your end of season fantasy playoff bold prediction.
2: All right, so I was looking at, you know, who's a player that could have a big fantasy playoffs that's been kind of, you know, flying under the radar lately that people aren't thinking, oh, this guy's going to win everything for us. And I was looking at David Montgomery. He had a big week this week, and part of that was they remembered he can catch the ball. You know, like, oh, look, David Montgomery can catch. Now, the 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 wet blanket on that is that Fields is coming back. Um, I think they announced that he's going to start this week. It's not going to be Andy Dalton anymore, but um, their schedule coming up. Isn't that tough? Uh, He can catch the ball. He can run the ball. He's healthy right now. So I think he's one of those under the radar guys. That's been kind of solid. You know, then he'll have like a 10 point week because, you know, the bears just stink. But, uh, I don't see a reason that that he couldn't just close things out strong here and put up some big weeks and hopefully keep up some of that receiving work he's been getting and, and you know, get those four or five catches a game or something.
1: Oh, that's fantastic. Folks, John Lipinski does amazing, amazing work. Follow him on Twitter at J.A. Lipinski. He's at Bet the Prop Futures Props. You want to make money, this is the guy to talk to. Also an old-school guy here at Rotaviz viz Dynasty Best Ball, the whole work's. John, a pleasure to have you on, man. Keep killing it at Bet the Prop. Do all that wonderful stuff, and then someday I look forward to you telling me, "You know what? I'm doing nothing right now for the rest of my life, <laughs> but I'm loving it." I'm
2: looking forward to that too.
1: <laughs> Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes under the Fantasy Football Mailbag a Rotoviz Radio feed contact us via email rotovizradio at gmail.com we'd love to hear what you think so follow us on twitter at rotovizradio and at randall rant make sure you tell a friend and don't forget to sign up for a 10 percent discount on our podcast homepage rotoviz.com forward slash podcast it's a no brainer folks thanks for tuning in